Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Tech Educator Podcast. It is Sunday night, December 8th. Thank you so much for joining us for our 38th episode. You can, of course, check out the Tech Educator Podcast live each and every Sunday night at 7 o'clock Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific as we bring you our weekly webinar discussing all things educational technology. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and of course, there's several ways that we would love to connect with you and have you help out our show each and every week. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at TechEdShow. Leave us an email at feedback at techeducatorpodcast.com. And, of course, we love it when you leave us voicemails asking us amazing questions at techeducatorpodcast.com slash voicemail. And, of course, we love it when you subscribe to our channels at techeducatorpodcast.com slash YouTube. We can, of course, be found live each and every week right here on TeacherCast.TV. We have two amazing co-hosts today I want to bring to you to the show, Mr. Jeff Herb. Jeff, how are you tonight? I'm doing very well, Jeff. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are things out in Chicago? Did you get any snow recently? Uh, we did. We got a couple inches today, not nearly as much as what I think you guys got out there based on some of the pictures mm-hmm. and the Eagles game. Uh, did, you, <laughs> did you check out the Eagles game? We, we started off very light today. Um, I went out for my violin lesson and had a few flurries. Uh, it was around 11 o'clock, 10.30 or so. And I think we got about eight inches today. It was quite interesting. It was I'm, crazy. I, I, I'm used to seeing, you know, snowed games in New England and even Chicago. I can't remember. I think the last time they said that there was one at Lincoln Financial Field was in 1995. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. So what's but been going still, been... still cool to watch. Oh, absolutely. What's been going on with Instructional Tech Talk? Uh, we had the um, Apple Configurator episode last week on Tech Educator, as you know. Um, had a lot of feedback from people about that, and that's been uh, fun answering people's questions as they've come up. Um, so we've just been continuing to do that, and a lot of what people have been asking has now been being worked into the guide that I'm releasing about Apple Configurator as well. So uh, really appreciate everyone that tuned in last week and uh, the feedback that we've gotten. We're going to be able to make our you know, tutorial that much better. And of course you can find that out over that, that video over at tech educator podcast.com. It is episode number 37. So tech educator podcast.com slash 37. Jeff, where can we go to find out more about the stuff you're doing with configurator? Sure. It's uh heading over to instructional tech talk.com. Um, and there's a wealth of information, uh, a cross link post back to that, episode that you just mentioned about tech on the tech educator podcast with the video and uh soon to be the updated version of the apple configurator post nice also want to welcome to the screen from uh california the sunny california i believe it is today mr sam patterson sam how are you today i am doing well jeff i was loving your pictures and i caught that that football game this morning also it looked at one point like they were shoveling little pathways onto the field they they had snow blowers that were going up and down and they actually said something over the pa that i've never heard they actually said please shovel the end zone we can't see it yet and so it was really really neat to see this whole snow, snow crew come out with shovels and snow blowers and stuff like that and and you know just to see somebody get tackled and then slide f- five yards it was it was quite amusing for the game I imagine, and how convenient. You don't have to put any injuries on ice. <laughs> very, very nice. You had a, a great weekend, didn't you? You uh, you were creating more puppets, weren't you? I was. Uh, Cheryl Morris and I spent Saturday hanging out, uh, working on some edu puppets, 
and uh, we got some good work done. And yeah, we're looking forward to putting them to work. And who? What? I was gonna say who or what is that? I, I'm really not sure. He's he's at the point where he needs to be named. But uh, I was kind of going for, can I make a puppet of this style that looks like this? And he can. He did it. <laughs> it worked. Now, I, I we ha- our audience out there is already busy on TeacherCast.tv asking the question: Will this puppet have arms? We may never know. <laughs> That's how you said it. <laughs> we we may never know. We may never so, know. Very very so nice. I, I I have to say though, Sam, that looks really 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 cool. That that it looks amazingly professional. Thank you. Yeah, we, we had a lot of fun, and you know we're we're getting better, and we're putting together. Uh, there's actually going to be a YouTube channel coming out pretty soon that not only publishes some of the videos that we've made while making puppets, but also collects some of the other videos out there because there's a lot of great puppet making resources out there, and Cheryl and I are really excited about developing more of them, especially for teachers. Mm-hmm. So are we are, are we doing anything here on the Tech Educator podcast? I mean, what have what if somebody out there watching? wants to suggest a name where, where can they go to suggest a name um i, I have no idea i didn't prepare for that i'm just gonna th- what's your twitter sam? me you can tweet the uh name suggestions for the new edu puppet to sam patui s-a-m-p-a-t-u-e and uh the winner will have their name chosen to be the name of this puppet that could get weird <laughs> There's also a uh, a post here on TeacherCast.tv to make your puppets more horizontal than vertical. Right. <laughs> Think about formatting before you do anything. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, those of you who are out there watching on TechEducatorPodcast.com slash uh, slash thirty eight will notice that we do have a new studio here. We are trying a few things right now. I got a brand new, uh, a, a few toys today. And so we're going to be working at a new uh, TeacherCast Studios. And so you might see a, a, a few additions here to the TeacherCast family. So we have a few wonderful things going on. But today, we're talking all about podcasting. And we're talking all about not just the equipment, because we, we've talked a little bit about equipment, but we're really talking about what to do after you've taken that podcast and where do you go with it? And we're going to talk a little bit about professional ways to use things and, and ways that you can post podcasts with your class. And this is actually um, due to a voicemail that we got in from one of you asking what kind of places can I teach my kids to use? How do I teach my kids how to post podcasts? And so we're going to talk a little bit about some of the equipment to use, some of the apps to use, and maybe some of the, you know, legal ethical ways of getting, um, students online and, and creating really a, a, an amazing digital profile want to bring jeff in here for a quick second here jeff have you seen a lot of stu- uh, students or schools putting digital content out for a subscription like on a podcast or on a broadcast yet you know not so much to be honest i'm starting you know a lot of districts are adopting the you know rapid communication system which is not nearly what we consider podcasting, but I think it's that that's the right direction. I think it will get to the point where um, we are doing more regular release informational pieces. The piece about the RCS, well, I mean, I guess you could call it a podcast. Why couldn't you? You're putting together uh, an audio recording that 
is recorded in advance and then disseminated out to everyone that has the potential to be impacted by its information. So um, I know a lot of districts are using something that they call the rapid communication system. They make a recording in advance. It calls all the homes of the people that are in that building and plays that information. So kind no, of like no, a podcast, it, not really, though. It sounds like you're equating podcasting to robocalls. <laughs> you know, it kind of, in in certain circumstances, I think it Do is. Do politicians podcast at me during election season? Is that what's going on? No, they annoy you. <laughs> oh my God, is that what we're doing? Oh, I have to rethink everything. <laughs> but you know, I I think it's interesting because it is like an audio distribution, but it's a different model. It's a push model, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, but I guess in some ways you have subscribed to their push model. Right, so it is right. analogous in a lot of ways, but instead of using the computer, it uses your telephone. Right, and I think I think we're going to get to that point where it's not going to be as much. We have to force it down your throat to be able to, you know, want you to get it. Um, I think it will get to the point where people are pretty savvy with podcasting to be able to get to the point where they know where to get the information, and then we can just post it and not have to send it out to everyone. Well, what are some of the easy ways or maybe some of the easy apps that we have to create podcasts? Let's just kind of back up a little bit before we talk about posting. What are some of the ways out there that people are using to create podcasts? And In fact, I, I will start by saying, did you notice that TouchCast is now in beta form and is being uh, downloaded on the PC? Desktop beta, yo. I have not checked it out. To uh, oh, Toby Price gave me that one. Uh, it's not available for Mac yet, but it's coming, and uh, it's available only for PC. But but that's TouchCast is a great app out there for the iPad, and it's basically broadcast style for the classroom. It, it's really really neat. But uh, Jeff, what what are some of the other easy things that you've seen out there for for video or audio production? Uh, for video production, hands down, I always go back to Google Hangouts. Mm -hmm. Just record a Google Hangout. That's a really good way to do it. Um, after that, for just audio, um, you can do you can do Google Hangout and just strip the audio, or you can uh, but others... just use Voice Recorder on your iPhone. Okay. And then just mail the file to yourself. And are those methods that you would suggest teaching elementary kids to do, or is there something that's one step and done? I, I think uh, like, SoundCloud. Um, SoundCloud works. What is SoundCloud? SoundCloud's a audio sharing system online, cloud-based audio storage uh, that has a nice interface to be able to play back uh, public audio sharing files. So um, more independent music is using it. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily mainstream music because of copyright greatness, um, but podcasters as well have started to use SoundCloud as a free hosting method as well. So, Let me see if I can pull it up against show people. Sure, absolutely. I, I recently reintroduced TeacherCast to Spreaker Radio, which is a neat mm -hmm. little free program that you can... Uh, do audio on and because it's universal it's audio for iphone ipod um desktop etc but through that the neat part about spreaker is if you wanted to you could even apply to get on to iHeartRadio. 
which I know a lot of podcasters professionally are trying to do, is to get onto a larger platform, and iHeartRadio works really well through Spreaker. Um, the neat part about Spreaker is that you can individually upload your shows, or you can um, download your shows automatically. So, um, cool. all right, so let me pull you up here. There we go. Uh, and it's very much what I was talking about. SoundCloud.com will take you to their homepage. I just clicked on the Explore tab up here, which shows you kind of your trending music and your trending audio. I clicked on trending audio just because I was interested to see what I'd find. Um, and number two here is a podcast, Stack Exchange Podcast number 54. Um, and so you can definitely see that people are using this to podcast. Um and all you need to do is click play, Are we too close to I each like, other? and it'll play. You're not going to be able to hear it, I don't think, because it's feeding through my headphones and not my microphone. Um, but it's a pretty cool system. There's not much to show about it, to be honest. <laughs> now, is that <laughs> it's also... Really, it's really simple. But is that available through um, Mac, you know, for, through mobile devices as well? Yep. If you actually look on my screen right now, up in the upper right-hand corner, you can go mobile, Android, um, iOS has a app as well. Mm-hmm. You can record directly into it. Nice. So I would imagine yep. through their through their app, you could probably upload the audio directly from your iPhone. Oh, you know that's a good question. I'd have to look into that. I know that you can record directly in. I'm not sure if you can bring in an existing recording. I'll look at that while. Sam's sharing his wisdom. Sure, Sam. What do you have? What what are what are some of the easy ways that you've worked? Because I know like you you've done a lot of work through your school with kids. What are some of the ways that you're seeing kids um, and other school districts might be uh, sharing audio for a subscription service? Um, you know that's not something that we've done a lot of yet. Uh, I with the iPads that we have in the school, it's almost easier to go video. And then distribute it from there. Um, it's always a little tricky to distribute video inside of uh, a school, and maybe going with something like a subscription service would be the way to go. Where we had, for example, a private YouTube channel that everybody subscribed to, and then they could get the uh, the videos that we were posting. But right now, we upload them to our school website, uh, which has a very unfortunate, small, and outdated flash encoder built into mm-hmm. it. Right. And, and, and just, uh, but just... one of my favorites is uh, Puppet Pals. Like, if you're doing something where you want to record some sound, but the audio isn't terribly important, using an app similar to Puppet Pals can allow you to maybe have a relevant document in the background. Maybe your characters are going to bring in are just going to be two arrows pointing. But you know, whatever it is, you know, you can have a minimal video or a minimal visual video with the good audio, and that usually is really good. And not having the kids' faces, and it does make managing the video later a lot easier. Now, you and I were talking earlier about Puppet Pals. Is it true that that there's a big difference between Puppet Pals One and Puppet Pals Two? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's kind of uh, extreme, but basically, it comes down to Puppet Pals Two is a better uh, app as far as just higher functionality puppets. What you get out of Puppet Pals 2, I would equate to looking like a jib-jab video. So, you know, you've got independent motion, you've got the mouth moving, it's all really fun. Puppet Pals 1, though, allows you to bring your own characters in, and you can bring in 
your own backgrounds. So as an educator, that Puppet Pals one is a lot of uh, that Puppet Pals one is a lot more clear for education because it allows you to bring in your own background. So you can put the math problem you're working on in Puppet Pals one, and one of the characters can be the student, and the other character could be you know like Waka or something, and the student could explain the math problem to Waka. I don't think so. How how are you, Walker? Well, welcome no. to the to the Tech Educator Podcast. Thank you. I'm I'm doing well. It's been a rough weekend, but I'm okay. How are you? I, I'm doing well. It's been snowing here. I I was thinking about you out here. How how would a puppet such as yourself work out in the snow when there's no feet or arms to shovel? Well, it's pretty good because I just kind of you know dive through it, right? It's kind of uh, serpentine motion. Nice, naturally, naturally. Um, right. There was a question on Twitter here. Of course, we are here live every single Sunday, and we have a question on Twitter from Brenda um, asking us about mic suggestions for the classroom. Now, Jeff, you and I talked about this on, I believe it was TeacherCast Podcast 88, but uh, what recommendations would you have for classroom-style microphones? I mean, I can't ever recommend highly enough the iRig mic. It is so simple to use. Um, the nice thing about the iRig mic is that it has a couple of different settings on it that allow you to do either, you know, close recording or have it be more of a classroom-wide or uh, recording capability. Um, and the nice thing also is that the plug that plugs into just your typical headphone microphone jack um, has a, another plug then for headphones as well. So you can hear, you know, if you're doing a conversation through Google Plus or something like that, um, you can still easily keep up with um, you know both sides of the conversation especially if you're running in a um, iDevice or a MacBook that has only one input um, input and output I guess it's just something to keep in mind that uh, you will need the ability to hear what the other person is saying if you're communicating with another individual and are those pretty durable for uh, elementary use Oh, absolutely. I carry mine in my briefcase with me all the time, and I drop that thing constantly, run it against doors. I mean, we use it pretty extensively, and I don't think there's a dent on it. Nice. And uh, you're again, you're using that for desktop and mobile, aren't you? Yes, that's correct. So there's a lot of, a lot of advantages of that. Um, I know I usually recommend the snowball mics. Yep, and, very I, good and, too. and those are roughly what eighty bucks, ninety bucks, something like that. Whereas I think you said the iRig mics are sixty bucks or so. I want to even say maybe even thirty. Let me look it up. They're they're usually between forty and sixty bucks somewhere around there. Um, you can of course get the snowballs and the iRig mics at the Apple Store. I think I've seen them even at Walmart. Um, different places like that. I'm not sure if Staples has them, but but certainly you can get them at the Apple Store or Apple.com. Um, also, I would recommend anybody heading over to teachercast.net slash Amazon, um, where we have everything that I'm using here, and I think everything that Jeff's ever mentioned that he's using, everything's right there on our Amazon store. Check it out. There is a little affiliate link, so you can help out TeacherCast Broadcasting a little bit, but I would definitely say head on over to teachercast.net slash Amazon. We have every single piece of equipment that we have there um, for you to look at, purchase, and uh, read reviews on. Sam, do you have any? Uh, Sam, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any recommendations on microphones? What are you, What are you using over there? What I'm using over here, it's um, 
it's a little more of a it's it's bigger than a microphone because it's more of kind of the audio solution for my entire classroom. It's the Juno front row, and it's a three speaker uh, unit amplifier that sits next to my computer has multiple audio inputs so I could actually hook up my iPad to it and my phone and two, com two different computers and have all of that sound going into the same spot. And it's got one audio out, so I can actually mix all of those sounds in it. And it comes equipped with two microphones that are both infrared. So if one of the things that you want to do in your classroom involves podcasting, it's a great setup to use because it allows you to use this microphone that's around your neck, and you can also have uh, student microphones. The one I have has one student microphone. I can get two more um, and expand that out to an audio suite managing three different student microphones plus the teacher microphone. And it's got an internal mixer on its software to help you set up, you know, balance the music and the sound files and everything. Um, I don't know if it's the kind of thing that anybody would rush out and buy just to do podcasting, but when we're looking at classroom design, I think the ability to capture all of the audio in the room in a way that's manageable is an important thing to think about, and something like this front row system allows you to do that. Now, is that something that you would purchase for your classroom if your kids are going to be doing presentations? I mean, would you want to put that thing around somebody's neck and, and have them speak? Or, or maybe... Oh, de definitely, because, you know, if nothing else, you get to have a student that is going to stand up in front of a group of people and not tap a mic, right? And you can save at least one group of people that horrifying experience. <laughs> And what about anybody who's up on a stage? Let's say that you're video recording a school play or something. Would that also be a good system? That, I think it would be a pretty good system. Um, sometimes once you get to a school play and you're dealing with multiple microphones, especially if they're infrared, uh, you might want something that's a little more robust or you might want to actually run some RF mics. Um, but they do have expansion units that allow you to extend the range of this so you can work in bigger and bigger rooms. So it would seem to work for that. RF mics? Uh, yes, those are mics that run on um, just standard radio frequency. I, I was thinking that they named a microphone after Ralph Furley. I, I thought that was kind of cool for a second there. That, that would be cool. The world would be a better place if that had actually happened. Microphone comes in with green pants and a little scarf around its neck. I thought that'd be kind of cool to have. <laughs> now, Brenda is also asking. First of all, Brenda, thank you so much for watching tonight. Brenda here is asking, do we use scripts? Like, if we're going to be working with students, do we have scripts? Or do you have any tips or tricks to get past all the pan uh yeah, past all the planning stages. What, what would you suggest, Jeff, as far as getting kids past all that that that, that nasty planning? <laughs> the nasty planning. Well, unfortunately, the nasty planning is part of being successful in successful podcasting and successful recording. Um, I would say that nasty planning part is the part that makes your podcast successful. And the whole idea that I kind of started from when I started podcasting is that if I'm going to actually take the time to record this, I do not, more than anything, want to waste people's time by having them have to listen to it and have it not be beneficial to them. And so I did take time, and I only release an episode when I have something that I know is going to be quality for people to listen to. Um, and so, you know, Sam just type this in the text box and it lends in perfectly. The planning is the learning. 
and I mean, I, Sam, I'm sure you can elaborate on this. I know that you uh, probably do a lot of these kind of projects in your classroom as well. Um, but I think it's just so imperative to do that planning portion to make sure that they are comfortable and they are ready to do the recording part. Sam? So really with podcasting, um, you're doing something where you're having them apply knowledge. And coming from the background of teaching writing, revision was always really tough to get kids to go back into something and fix it. But when it's recording and they listen to it and it's not right and it's not good, they go, ah, and they want to fix it. Um, so that's pretty amazing. But having them actually plan it out is great because then when they want to go fix it, they know where to fix it. Um, so you know, sometimes I will give kids, you know, a time limit, a set of questions they have to answer, and really try to make the goal as concrete as possible so their planning is focused and what they have is good. When kids make up stuff off the cuff, it wanders, and you really don't want them doing that in these podcasts. You want them, you want to teach them to make a good recording. And I think Jeff, you hit it on the head there when you said it needs to be useful to someone else. And that's kind of a great way to measure whether or not you should send something out into the world, right? Is this useful at all? So podcast, yeah, podcast shouldn't be wandering around, Sam. What? No, probably not. <laughs> Unless it's Techlandia, they're talking about sports. I love that. <laughs> I thought we were on Techlandia earlier with the, <laughs> with the snow and the eagles. But no. I don't think Reese likes the eagles. No, 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 no. So we have our podcast. We have our equipment. We've, we've made up our, um, our script. We have everything done and ready. It's time to now go ahead and publish things. And I want to take a moment to kind of go behind the scenes of TeacherCast here and show you a little bit about how I go ahead and produce things. And then I'm going to open it up for Jeff to show us how he produces things. Um, Let me bring up our screen here. And first thing that I want to share with you guys is I – the first thing you need to do is really to make it subscribable is to create a – a feed make it feedable and so in order to do that i actually use a program called feeder and feeder is actually a free program that you can get downloaded from the mac app store and there's a few other programs out there i can show you um i use feeder for all of my audio shows and let me see if i can bring this up right here all right, so here's my desktop, and I'm using Feeder. Again, it's a program that you can get off the Mac App Store, and I'm just going to set up a basic podcasting feed here. And the neat part about Feeder is it actually gives you an opportunity to create a podcasting feed or actually set it up for iTunes, and that's really what you're looking for with all of the uh, details and stuff that iTunes wants, all the categories. So I'm going to choose iTunes, and I'm not going to go through all the details here because I don't have all the new information, but basically I can take some artwork and I'll just pick this random graphic. I'll put it here. Now, anytime, and Jeff, check me on this one, any graphic that you use for your podcast should be 1400 by 1400 high def. I'm pretty sure that's the current standard. I want to even maybe say that it's even higher now. Uh, let me, it, actually, it's not 1400 square anymore either. Really? I got to look at this up. Yeah. Oh, then that's even news to me. I thought it was four. I, I've always, even now, I'm only using fourteen hundred squared. So I have yeah, my graphic here. I can put my podcast title to it, 
and I have my website, and then I can make my description. Now, you have to realize that, that iTunes and all of these other subscribing places are really just reading the feed, and that feed comes from the information that you're putting down on this. So I have my name, and then I can put it that it's a clean podcast, and then under categories, it has all of the iTunes categories. So I'm going to click on education, and then click on K-12, to and I can do up to three of those. I have the owner, then I hit create, and at that point in time, everything here is created for my feed. If I want to add an episode, I simply hit new, sorry, hit new item, and I have a new title. The link to it, which would be like teachercast.tv slash whatever, or in our case here, tech educator podcast. And then publication date, really it sets itself. As soon as I hit save, you can see it automatically came up with the publication date and time iTunes authors, my name, the iTunes duration. These things automatically get filled in as soon as you put your media file in. And then all I do is I take my MP3 when the show is over tonight and I drag it in here, put our description in. And at that point in time, I hit save. And boom, right here you can see I have my first episode. And it even gives you the links that you need. Here's the feed link. The podcast link, the artwork, and the web pages. Now, again, there's not much stuff here because I didn't set it up live right now, but everything will automatically get put together. Um, under iTunes podcasting, you can change all this. It even gives you a preview of how it's going to look in iTunes. So, again, it's feeder. It's a really, really neat um, app. I, I think I might have said earlier that it was free. I don't remember what the cost is or if it's free. So don't, don't quote me on that if it's a couple bucks. But I've been using it now for, I guess, two and a half years since I started with TeacherCast. And it's a really, really neat app to use. And I can't, you know, I can't recommend it enough. It really, really is neat. And I use that for all of my audio stuff. But, Jeff, you use something different for your audio. You use something called Lipson. Is that right? Yeah, I use Libsyn. And Jeff, just to put your mind at ease, it is still 1,400 square. Okay. <laughs> so we're good. That's good to know. Uh, talk to us a little yeah. bit about Libsyn. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up here. I'm sorry I'm having internet issues. So if I try and share my screen, we'll see what happens. It's okay. Um, now, Libsyn, I've, I've, I, I don't use Libsyn, although I know many of the, I'll say, the, the big podcasters use Libsyn for their stuff. Why would you want to go with Libsyn versus something else? Uh, to be perfectly honest, I started with Libsyn. <laughs> okay. And so uh, it was what was recommended to me when uh, I started podcasting, and I wanted something that was simple and secure, and uh, I didn't have to think about if I was going to have bandwidth issues or anything like that. And so, um, you know, through listening to other podcasts about podcasting, I landed on Libsyn. And the nice thing about Libsyn is it has several um, tiers. One of them is free. If you only upload, oh man, I got. I would have to look at. Let me see if I can log out and see their billing. Um, because this is where it actually gets kind of cool. Is your hosting services? Da, 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 plans and pricing. Oh, they. Well, and now I've lied to you all. I apologize. Uh, their basic plan is $5 a month. Uh, they do not have their freeze plan anymore. Uh, but either way, the monthly storage for their for their $5 plan 
is 50 megabytes. And now that sounds really small, but when you think about it, if you're uploading maybe you know a show a week or two shows a month or something like that, and they're between 10 and 20 minutes long, you're going to be fine with that 50 megabytes because you know an audio file compressed at about 10 to 15 minutes in length is you know pretty small. It's under 10 megs. So um, the nice thing is that 50 megabytes resets every month then. So you don't have a total amount that you are limited to in terms of you get, you know, sign up and get five gigabytes of storage. You get a rolling 50 megabytes every month for the duration of your, uh, the time that you're with Libsyn. So it's kind of a cool thing that you don't really have to worry about maxing out and then having to upgrade. The only thing that you'd have to think about is if you start releasing more regular shows or you have more uploads up to your service, you do have to think about moving up to the you know, $15 a month package, which gives you 250 megabytes of storage. And that's the one I'm on. And when I was on a more regular release schedule of at least one every week, uh, I was well within that 250 megabytes. Um, I probably, you know, with my show, the way I kind of tailored it a little bit differently, uh, making it more 15 minutes of episode, I probably could even fit it into that 50 again. Um, but for five bucks a month, it's a really good deal. Now, the question here is how do you know what your storage size should be? Um, I mean, even for the stuff that I'm working on, sometimes my audio sources are 20 megs, and depending on how I record things, they're 80 megs for the same one-hour show. How can you be so sure of what plan you need ahead of time? Well, you won't. I mean, you. there's no reason in the world to start with a plan that you don't need. You do not need to start with a 250-megabyte plan until you need it. And that's what's so great about Libsyn, too, is that you can roll back and forth as much as you want um, between plans. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely start with a $5 plan. Upload a couple of shows. When you realize that you are doing more than 50 megabytes in volume, um, then you can bump yourself up to the next level. And I think it also goes back to understanding what you are encoding in your audio file. And this gets to be a little bit more advanced, and you'll learn as you, you know, become more of a regular podcaster that you don't have to have it be this huge, amazing, you know, audio file that has pristine CD quality audio. That's just not necessary when you're uh, distributing audio over the internet. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember the bit rate. I think it's like 64 is like tops. Mm -hmm. on a podcast in mono quality. And so you can strip out stereo. You don't need it. You really do not need stereo quality for a podcast. You can chop about half or more of the bit rate on your audio feed. And that brings your size of your file down just tremendously. So, you know, there's just a couple of things that, you know, we can post on the show notes for this, or I'll post it over on my website at instructionaltechtalk.com. Um, but it can really just give you a little bit better understanding of how you can tailor your podcast to fit in some of these smaller capacity um, hosting services. Okay. Sam, do you have anything to add on to that one? Are you? I'm geeking out looking at Libsyn's uh, <laughs> apps. 
I mean, they've got, you can have, in addition to having your own podcast, you can, they can actually create, help you by creating an app to help distribute your podcast more. Yeah, and that's pretty cool, too, and that's something I considered doing um, a while ago, and I just never did, and so that's a really great story, I know, but um, <laughs> I don't know, I've heard a lot of people have had a lot of success with their apps that they put together for them. Uh-huh. Do you need an app for a podcast? Because I mean, I look. I was, I was, I was thinking about putting together one for TeacherCast, and I don't know. Would people download it? Would people use it? What are some of the things that you would need for a podcasting app, other than, you know, archives on YouTube's and stuff like that? I mean, what would you look for in a podcasting app, and would you use it, Jeff? You mean an app for a podcast in particular? Sure. It's a really good question. I mean, I think if you are a more of a diehard fan of a particular show, um, I would just want all the content from that particular avenue to be able to be accessed through that app. You know, podcasts, uh, new articles, that kind of stuff. Um, and have it just be all readily accessible. I mean, there's so many apps that do it already. The, you know, feeder apps that you can just pull a bunch of different of those things together, but sometimes it's a little bit overkill for me. Like every, my time, every time I open one of those, like my entire phone just slows down because it starts downloading like mad. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the other issue, I mean, I get overwhelmed. And with Feedly itself, I have a bunch of different things going through Feedly. Sometimes, you know, I'm in the mood for it. Yeah, hit me with whatever you got. I want to just see everything. But other times I'm like, I know what I'm looking for. I'm like driving, so I probably shouldn't be searching through a bunch of stuff. And I could just easily go into an app like that and be able to listen to exactly what I want. So I think different situations denote different uses. And I think, you know, ease of access is what's nice about some of these apps. Nice. Not not a big fan of the Apple podcasting app yet? Not still a huge fan, no. I, I use the Apple podcasting app, but mainly just to uh, listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. <laughs> now, one of the things that we've talked about, especially Jeff and I, is podcasting through WordPress. And there is an app that's or a plugin that's available for WordPress called PowerPress. Jeff, are you familiar with the with the what they call Blueberry PowerPress podcasting? Absolutely, it's being used on my site as well. Now, uh, on the screen right now, I've pulled up the actual WordPress.org plugin directory, but could you tell us a little bit about what this plugin is for, and does it work for all versions of WordPress, uh, .com and .org? Does it work on .com? I don't know if it works on .com. I, I don't it, think it very so. very well may. I'm not... I, I, I don't think that it does, but I'm not sure. I don't think it does either. Um... I must have misheard you. I thought you said it does. Um, PowerPress is really great. It's just essentially a podcaster's tool to be able to set up WordPress to accept or create a feed of your podcast episodes um, right within line of the rest of your WordPress website. So if you notice, you know, TeacherCast has it, Instructional Tech Talk has it. Um, all of my episodes for Instructional Tech Talk are automatically or not automatically, I post them on my website under the podcast tag, mm -hmm. which will put them into a different RSS feed, which automatically puts it into iTunes. And so what's really nice is that all of our content, Jeff, Bradbury, and myself, can be kind of intermixed. You can have the articles that you release. You can also have the podcast that you release. And 
someone that's just common, commonly coming to your website, a regular reader, uh, will see new episodes as they appear, see new articles as they appear, but PowerPress in the background is doing all the grunt work. You tell it where the audio file lives. So in my situation, I'm putting in a Libsyn link into PowerPress and saying, when I post this episode, know that you know the post in WordPress is actually pulling in this audio file from Libsyn and then tell iTunes that as well. So there's a lot of stuff happening in the background that would be kind of hard for you as a website operator to manage yourself if PowerPress wasn't taking care of that for you. And there's a few different uh, skins that you can use for that. And again, all you really have to do is tell it where the address of the feed is. Now, um, I do want to bring up when when John does Techlandia, he does something a little bit different than us, right? He uses a service called Podomatic, right? Yes, he does. And to be honest, I have very little knowledge about Podomatic, but he seems to rave about it. So that's pretty cool. And Podomatic is like Spreaker, and it's like some of these other services where it helps you with analytics and it helps you with a few other things in here. Um, but the neat part about it is it actually gives you a, an RSS feed from itself. So you can do an awful lot of stuff with Podomatic. You can then take that RSS feed and stick it into iTunes. You can stick it into several other places. One of the places that I want to share with you, and let me see if I can bring it up here, is uh, I don't know if you use this or not, Jeff, but it's called PodTrack. Are you familiar with PodTrack, Jeff? Uh, you had talked to me about it. I had looked at it a little bit, but I do not use it regularly, no. PodTrack is a free service that actually allows you to keep track of your statistics and your downloads for your show. And cool. so the way that I use it is I go from my RSS feed, again, through Feeder, and then I go into PodTrack. And then from PodTrack, I then go into FeedBurner, which we talked about also on the show. And then from there, I go into iTunes. So it's actually a one, two, three. It's a four-step process to get into iTunes or to get into any of these other systems. But by doing that, you know, we now have access to our analytics. You have your downloads. You have your subscribers. You have your numbers. And again, that's PodTrack.com, P-O-D-T-R-A-C.com. And... Um, you know, it's a really, really neat service. Again, it's free, but I can tell you how many shows I have, how many numbers I have, what's my subscriber rate in the last month, how many people have downloaded the show. Really, you can do so many things with it. And again, it's free. Hmm. Very cool. Sam, uh, how's everything over there in California land? So everything here in California land is good. Um... I've been trying to chase the links, as you guys have been saying them, so the show notes will have something in them, uh, Thank you. in addition to just the date. Uh, I'm getting ready for, uh, come to think of it, I don't think I've changed the date yet. Um, I am getting ready for the 50th Patui chat on Tuesday, Jeff. Wow. Can you believe it? Wow. Patui's 50. That's awesome. What, um, what's the topic for this week? You know, I haven't completely decided. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. It's the Hour of Code. Uh, they're chatting about the Hour of Code tonight on the California Educators chat, but I've been kind of up to my earlobes in Hour of Code. So we may be chatting code. We may be chatting gratitude. I just don't know yet. Cool. 
So we have a couple uh, people here on the chat. Uh, again, that's over at teachercast.tv. We're here live every single Sunday night. Um, pod track is not pod track. It's P-O-D-T-R-A-C.com. So there's no K at the end of pod track. And I uh, want to welcome Natalie and Craig and Corey and Sam for coming on to the show tonight and uh, being a part of our live show. We're, of course, here again each and every week. Now, Sam, let me ask you a question here about Patui. 50 chats. I mean, what is your secret to longevity? Because that really is a, a question that I'm going to ask Jeff, too, about podcasting, blogging, etc. But what is the success to building a community? That that really is what podcasting is all about, is building that community here. Um, I think, you know, the, the success is in engaging the audience, in getting other people to take on some roles, and being willing to give up control of it, and being responsive to what people are interested in. And how have you done that? Uh, I've had a lot of different co-moderators on the chat. There have been times where people have done it for me. Um, I have tried, even though I'm the one who kind of, you know, sets it up and gets it moving every week, I've tried to keep other people involved as much as possible. So it's not really like my chat, but it's a chat I take care of for the community. Mm -hmm. And that community is made up of puppets? Um, Puppets and the people who love them, yes. Now, I did notice oh, one of the chats was moderated by the puppets. Um, how did That's you, true. How did you do that? Well, um, I was using TweetDeck and getting it to synchronize my six different puppet-based Twitter accounts. <laughs> Soon to be seven. That, that's a show on its own. Right, right? That nose is huge. <laughs> you know what they say about big noses? Big Giant sinus cavities. Oh, yes. Um, getting away from the puppets, Jeff, what about you building a community, building a brand? I mean, we talked a little bit about this with schools, building a community, but what ways are you engaging your tech educator audience? I mean, a lot of it, I think is just being present online and developing relationships with people through Twitter and, uh, being willing to ask questions and answer questions and interact with people and, I think a lot of that is just so important. I think that's what keeps me wanting to do what I'm doing um, because it's, it's, that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it real. And as you start to get to know your audience, you start to want to be able to provide new information and share what you're learning uh, with all those people. So, you know, despite the fact that, you know, I haven't had a new episode in a while. I mean, I got married, I bought a house. I mean, it's been kind of crazy. Um, I, I always think about Jeff what had I'm three sharing. babies and just kept publishing. Yeah, Jeff is <laughs> a freak of nature. I don't even understand how that works. <laughs> it's more than it's more impressive than most things I've seen in life. So that, you got that going for you, Jeff. That's cool. Um, I, I, I got it. I'll, I'll tell you the story about last night. Oh boy. Okay. Um, but either way, I just think it's so much about developing that relationship with people in any way you can through emails that you get through Twitter messages and people sharing things with you and you sharing with them. Uh, just making sure that you are real and present. And I think that's what makes you develop a really good audience. Any thoughts about, again, let's move it back towards classroom stuff, but what should classrooms do to keep an audience or 
should classrooms be worrying about an audience or should classrooms just be worrying about creating amazing content for mom and dad and grandmas to watch? Um, you know, they, the classrooms want to take care of their audience. Their audience cares a lot about them to start with because their audience is mainly moms and dads and grandpas. Uh, I think that if you want a bigger audience for your classroom, being a connected educator, responding to work by other classes, and then sharing your work with other classes is a good idea. I mean, you know, if you're going to be podcasting from your class, use the same network that's developed up around classroom blogging with the comments for kids hashtag, you know, get some response to what's going on. Mm -hmm. What What is but the comments for kids hashtag, Sam? That is a hashtag that William Chamberlain takes care of that basically teachers who are blogging with their students can send their student blog posts out using that hashtag and recruit other teachers and other classes to respond to their classes work. So it's a real great way to kind of invite others into the work you're doing and invite them to share it. Nice. Is there a chat for that, or is that just going around? That's just kind of ongoing. He also runs a Comments for Kids blog, so if you have a class blog and you want to submit it to that, he can post it there. Nice. He does some amazing work. Nice. want to give a big shout-out to, again, to Natalie and to Corey. They're uh, talking about the ways they build their PLN on our, uh, on our chat box here over at teachercast.tv. Um, you know, next week, guys, we are wrapping up the 2013 podcasting season here. We have a great show at 9.30 from the, tech, uh, from the principal cast people, as we do every single week. And uh, we're going to be actually wrapping up the ed tech of 2013. And I'm excited to talk to you guys about that. There's been so much stuff that's come out this year. I think this was the year of augmented reality. This was certainly the year of professional development. I mean, you know, ed camps have been around for a while, but they certainly have exploded really in the last year globally more than they have before. Um, there's so many broadcasts and podcasters popping up. Um, just to kind of do a little preview for next week, what are some of those things, guys, that you've seen pop up this year that, that maybe hit the big scene bigger than you thought they might have? 2013, year of the green screen. <laughs> Leading the way, Sam. 2013 was the year of Google Hangouts. True. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's been so like many that. things that have that have happened due to Google Hangouts. When was the last time anyone in here Skyped? Who? What? <laughs> exactly. Kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. My mystery Skype. It refers to using Google Hangout to get someone to come into your classroom. <laughs> mystery Skype is remembering what Skype is. There you go. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, 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 you know, I, it's been a good year. It's been thirty-eight. This is what thir episode thirty-eight here. So I know tech educators had certainly a great year. Looking forward to two thousand thirteen. Wow, 2014. So I can certainly say, uh, please check us out next week, 7 o'clock, where we're going to be doing our big EdTech wrap-up of 2013. If you are out there listening and you're interested, we would love to have you be a guest. Please uh, find us online. You can, of course, check us out at TechEdShow on Twitter. You can, of course, go to Feedback at TechEducatorPodcast.com and leave us an email saying, hey, I'd love to be a guest on this show. I've got something amazing with ed tech that i'd like to share or of course you can leave us a voicemail at techeducatorpodcast.com slash voicemail we got a few voicemails last week we were going back and forth with a few people from canada actually um about podcasting sam yes sam what 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 do you sam what do you what do you 
What are you doing, Sam? I I don't know. You were talking about podcasting in Canada. I was paying attention. What, why why is your head... Sam, what are you doing? It fits the screen better this way, doesn't it? But it looks like, you know, you need a big green hand, so that way we don't see the arm going back and forth. Right, that's a good idea. Take a note. What kind of note? Oh, yeah, I suppose you'd get all technical. Uh, be natural. Ah, be natural. Boom. Boom. I don't know. But it's hard it, It's hard to find a pitch and hear at the same time. Before we go, before we go, I, I want to send a big shout out there to my personal learning network. Um, last night, we did something quite amazing. Sam, I'm going to turn you off for a second there. Because I can't have a I can't have a conversation with 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 Craig and everybody else out there if we're doing that. So I I, I just want to say a couple things out there to my personal learning network. First of all, thank you guys out there so much for supporting the Edu Babies. They are they are thirty weeks. They just celebrated their their one month birthday yesterday. Cool. Um. Yeah. Uh, absolutely amazing stuff. Uh. One month ago, they 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 hatched. Um. In style. And due to the overwhelming support and love and I will just say financial backing from our personal learning network, um, we, my wife and I walked into Babies R Us yesterday and spent $2,000 on baby furniture, cribs, you name it. But the total bill was about $5,400. Oh, my gosh. And so that, that kind of shows how much support the PLN has given us in babies are up gift cards and such stuff like that. So I, I really just want to say thank you out there to everybody who's, uh, you know, kind of helped us out a little bit in our, in our quest to take care of our triplets. So I want to say, now thank they don't you sell any computers at that store, right? Well, you know, <laughs> look, if you, if you really want to get into that conversation, um, there we were black Friday and I tried to put the iPads on the registry and, and Toys R Us would not let me put iPads on the registry <laughs> they have not heard about early learning no 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 shame on them definitely not at all so you know it's it is what it is and we'll have to work on it from there but no 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 we 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 walked out of there we we filled our new van last night with three mattresses and and cribs and and diaper genie you name it we we basically cleaned off our registry and it was quite quite impressive that we actually saved like three thousand some dollars and and a lot of that a lot of that was due to the love and support of our PLN. So uh, if you're out there watching, if you're out there listening, thank you, thank you so much. Um, yeah, that's about all I can say for that. So I want to say thank you guys out there. Um, Sam, again, where can we find out more information? You've got your fiftieth chat this week. Where is it? When is it? And what was it again? It is at hashtag Patui on Tuesday at five Pacific, eight Eastern. And we're going to be celebrating the 50th edition of the Patui Chat. All other things, Sam, can be found on www.mypaperlessclassroom.com. Org. Org. <laughs> Cut. Oh. Try that again. www.mypaperlessclassroom.org. Excellent. And what happens if we wanted to uh, be some kind of a distraction? Where would we go? Uh, you would, you would, you could go to be the distraction.org, but I've started publishing everything onto my paperless classroom. Nice. <laughs> it's true. The other is just a placeholder. 
And uh, Jeff, what's going on this week with Instructional Tech Talk? Like I said, just finishing out uh, my Apple Configurator post with the new feedback I've gotten from the show we did last week. Really excited to add a bunch of information in based on a lot of uh, your questions that you've asked and information that you wanted. Uh, that'll be posted up on instructionaltechtalk.com, and there you can find all of the links to contact me. Hey, you know, we had a, a lot of questions coming in this week about it, and, you know, we, we didn't get it posted until about Thursday or so because Final Cut was giving us some problems. But what, what are some of the questions that are coming in about Configurator? What are some of the things that people are really, really interested in? Because I would love to, once 2014 rolls around, maybe do a follow-up show on that with the audience sure. questions. Uh, a couple of the ones I can think of off the top of my head are more just logistically, like, hey, I have this need. Like, um, just today somebody emailed me and said, or tweeted me, was wondering about maintaining folder structure among all of the iPads and if they can still selectively choose which apps go on to the mass distribution. Um and keep folders intact because within Apple Configurator, you can't really say, all right, let's organize these apps in this way. They just kind of show up on the device. And so the answer to that, if anyone is interested, um, you can set up your iPad the way that you want it to be on all the other iPads and then make a backup of it in Apple Configurator and then use that backup as a restore for all the iPads in your cart and then it will push those folder settings onto all the different iPads. It'll make an exact clone of yours um, out to all 30 iPads. Now, if you don't want all the 30 iPads to have as many apps as you do, you just uncheck them in Configurator, and it'll take them off. Nice. So, again, please please reach out to Jeff at insttechtalk.com or instructionaltechtalk.com, or on Twitter, at InstTechTalk. And, of course, all of that stuff is over here at our website, techeducatorpodcast.com. And if you click on techeducatorpodcast.com slash uh, 2037, you will find our show notes, you will find the video, and, of course, links over to Jeff and his great channel there. Of course, there's a lot of stuff happening this week and next week on TeacherCast. We're going to be finishing up um, episode number 107, I think, we, we did the other day, and we have yet to put that one up. So please check us out over there for that. If you're interested in finding out more about the Tech Educator Podcast, we're here each and every single Sunday night live. Um, You can find us on Twitter at TechEdShow. Email us at feedback at techeducatorpodcast.com. Leave us a voicemail at techeducatorpodcast.com slash voicemail. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube at teachercast.net slash YouTube, where we've just overdone 615 subscribers. I want to say thank you so much out there to everybody who's subscribing to us on iTunes at teachercast.net slash iTunes and on YouTube at teachercast.net slash YouTube. For my colleagues, thank you so much. Have a great rest of the week. If you are in the snow right now on the East Coast, good luck driving to work tomorrow. Please check us out from TeacherCast Studios. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much, and have an enjoyable, enjoyable week, folks.